What's going on? Welcome to Life's a Trip podcast. I'm Dave. And I am Chase. And uh, on this podcast, we explore all kinds of stuff, all the, the weird and winding individual paths that we all walk in life. Uh, our conversations range from mindfulness and relationships. All the way to psychedelic spirituality, and a whole bunch of weird, crazy, fun stuff. Yeah, and uh, we just we look at basically what it means to be anything at all. Or not. Or not. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you enjoy. Love you guys. See you on the other side. Peace. What's up, family and friends? This is Dave, and uh, today is Season 2, Episode 3 of Life's a Trip Podcast. It's been a little while since we recorded, and I jump on the episode today with my good friend Keenan Spears. He is a entrepreneur, creator, world traveler, spiritual explorer, and just all-around character. And every time we sit down, I, I... thoroughly enjoy our interactions. Uh, Today's conversation is no exception. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Keenan. Enjoy. All right, Keenan Spears. Here we go. Here we go. Have you been on a podcast before? This would be my first podcast oh, yeah. ever. I've listened to a couple. Cool, man. Not many, but a couple. Well, uh, I'm pumped to have you on. It's been like a month and a half since the last time we recorded with Cody. And I just... Uh, it's a lot to follow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was excited when you, uh, when you said you were interested in doing one yourself. And I um, saw you the other day and I was like, hey, how about we, how about we make it? make it happen and you're all about it so thanks for coming out man yeah man it's cool it's like uh it's an interesting thing to be able to i i enjoy conversation with anybody and especially you and so it's an interesting thing to be able to organically have a conversation and then um record it and then allow other people to to hear that yeah you know there's there's a cool thing about it and we live in a cool age in tech age in the world when that happens yeah it's a it's like an interesting medium in the sense that like we're having a conversation that we might otherwise have, but there's an added level of intentionality because we recognize that we're sharing it with people. So it's like I was just thinking about that. Yeah, it's like I know that the words I'm speaking are being recorded. Mm-hmm. So do, does my like consciousness, <clears throat> like or or does like my subconsciousness have like a will I speak in a different tone or will I have like a way in which I want to articulate differently than if it was just organic or if it was like unrecorded and whatnot you know it's got to be right because i mean even in in the way that we're communicating right now i'm i'm like directing my voice towards you and also the microphone because i know that i want people to hear this and i want the sound to go through nicely and then you know i've in in previous podcasts while someone's when when something comes up and i'm like oh i should probably give some context to this i'll I'll make it like make a side note to the to the future listeners totally which is strange yeah, it it's is. A, it's a strain. We're speaking to the people that will be listening down the road. Yeah, and it, I mean, it makes sense because we want to articulate well and want, like, to speak clearly and, and intentionally and, yeah. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's do that. Let's, let's do that. All right. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought it would be an interesting place to start uh, just in how we originally met, which was at Resonance mm-hmm. Music Festival last year. In August. 
no, it was when is September, it? September September of 2019. Um, you had just gotten back from Burning Man, and I met you as you were setting up this wild like PVC pipe dome with all all this uh, canvas material. It was a parachute. It was a parachute. Military parachute, yeah. Yeah, you showed up in your van, and uh, you just gotten done with Burning Man, and uh, we actually didn't have a, a ton of interaction, like one-on-one -on -one interaction. But I remember being like, "This guy's this guy's a character. I, I like him." <laughs> and since then, we've gotten to hang out a bunch. And every time we sit down, even if it's just a couple minutes, it feels like we drop right into like these really great conversations about all kinds of stuff: spirituality and psychedelics and um, creativity and the human consciousness or yeah. experience. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, we, um, there's there's per people in my life sometimes where that's just how it is. Do you know what I mean? It's easier to just be present with with them because we both have that about us. It's kind of not much more to speak to it than that. But um, it's it's refreshing. And yeah, that, that's where I met you and coming back. For, that was an interesting time too because I'd just gotten back from Burning Man where I was like super inspired. I still am, but at that moment it was so fresh and raw and I was so inspired by creativity and wanting to like bring the party and like bring um an expression of myself and and the burner collective and so i created that pvc parachute dome uh, as like a chill space strung up lights on the inside yeah, it, it was lights like and foam all on the inside late at night coming back there after a set it, it felt like it, it was some place out in the desert, you know, like some some it, fun it like, like <laughs> it was a, like an oasis. You had, you had like blankets and rugs and pillows down and candles. It's it kind of like uh, that scene in Bugs Life where they all go to that bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like lit up much, much like that. Or at least in my mind. Uh, yeah, and that was funny. I remember one night uh, Gavin and I went over to the. Uh, the it's like a generator with light floodlights running from it. It's like mm -hmm. all noisy and like overexposing us with light we like ran over there and turned that thing off <laughs> and then our little dome was all lit up and cool yeah it was a good festival that was fun yeah and then uh yeah since then the uh, seems things uh, yeah we so got to know each other better and our worlds have changed and yeah so like let's see uh what month is it? it's almost june it's the end of may you wow. you did uh, you got to meet up with Rob and Cody over in Thailand, and you guys got to bounce around a little bit. And then when you separated from them, you went to the Philippines for yeah, and did a vipassana. Vipassana. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I mean, we've, yeah, we should get into that. Um, tell me about your experience. Well, I'll backtrack a bit and then and then dive into that because we mentioned resonance and there's things that play out in, in, into that, but. I think from residence, at least in my life, I I did a, a couple more events or shows, and then and just partying until winter time. I mean, all the way up until I started traveling, which was the beginning of January after the New Year. Um, and then was in Southern Oregon for a few weeks, and then yeah, was in Bangkok, Thailand, and was there with. Uh, I think I was like myself for like a week and then I met Cody and it was Cody and I for maybe another week and a half and then met up with Rob or met up with my buddy Frank and then met up with Rob and my friend Frank I've known Francois Duval <laughs> I've known him for like a number of years and uh he's from Canada and we travel every winter uh the previous winter we were in Nicaragua um and so 
one before that I was in Peru. Uh, but yeah, so I was ready to travel and um, I, I don't like the cold very much. So I try to go somewhere warm for the winter, like like geese do, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> maybe I'm a goose. And um, <laughs> and so I, I was traveling and having a great time. And the winter is really nice for me because although I like to be warm in a warm place because it suits my it suits me, um, it is always a good time. To, to hibernate in another sense and do some, for me, like an inside reflective thing and to kind of like get settled and reassess where my life has been and where I might be going and to just kind of um, step back into um, being present and being grounded and, and just kind of allow like the, the whole, you know, revolution of the sun prior to that winter to like get settled and, and allow it to have its space and work through and so um that's what a lot of the winters are for me and that's what a lot of traveling in the winter is for me aside from so many other things like experience and um having a good time um so i was seeking i had a lot of great time with rob and cody and um thailand and and all those things that i can dive into more in this podcast or at another time, but to speak towards Vipassana, m- my intention while I was in Southeast Asia was to find something that would be grounding and allow me to have what I just mentioned, which was like a, um, a processing or a, a, a time to reflect or a time to get slowed down and still, and a time to do work. A time to like all, all those things, yes, but a time to like work and like work hard um, on like understanding thyself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I had the intention of actually going to Peru after being in Asia. That was my initial intention. And then um, to do ayahuasca. Um, and, and I had done ayahuasca in Peru two years before, and it was rewarding and a life changing, powerful experience. But I was kind of seeking that kind of experience again, and I didn't, I couldn't, I hadn't found, I wasn't looking exceptionally hard, <laughs> but I couldn't find or hadn't found any plant medicines that were in Southeast Asia um, that that were in that realm of things. Um, and so upon continuing to look for something in this nature of things, I bumped into these two individuals, these two separate individuals who didn't know one another, but somehow had spoken of Vipassana to me. Separately? Yeah, separately. Um, separate individuals at a festival that we were at in Thailand, Cody and I, called Jai Tep. And uh, I was just sitting down having a conversation with them about this, that, and the other, and they both separately, in days apart from each other, had mentioned of Vipassana and what that had the, had done for them and what their experience had been like and that I it was something that if I had an interest I, I should pursue and I'd known of Vipassana because years prior um, we're in Asheville North Carolina and there is closest to us in Asheville a center in Jessup Georgia south of us um, that that is a Vipassana meditation center and just real quick for listeners that don't know what is Vipassana Vipassana is um, 
and this I guess this is me like what would you say um, paraphrasing yeah <coughs> is in is like um, a form of meditation that um, that the Buddha um, practiced as a form of as of as a form of attaining enlightenment um, and then this guy named Goenka as far as I understand brought the practice to the west and started establishing centers um, and se- Vipassana meditation centers had been a thing in east, the eastern part of the world and then he just kind of he didn't start Vipassana Goenka didn't it's not his idea it's just something that he brought to the west or he's at least um given the credit for doing that and it has a lot of centers and and all the Vipassana centers have him expressing and doing um, expressing the teaching and and his formalities for it and then giving lectures and he's no longer with us but these are all recorded videos Um, and so whoa (laughs) um, and so yeah essentially in short Vipassana is a form of of meditation um and of focusing one's breath on the sensations within their body, and and for long periods of time, right, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole like, and that's that's it in short. Um, what Vipassana is. Um, so yeah, I, I had, I was had these was talking to these two individuals separately, and they had put it in my ear, and I'd heard of it before, so it started brewing in my mind, and then. As as the my trip was with the boys was kind of nearing a close, I started to realize like right on I need to do I need to decide what I'm gonna do so I can go ahead and get it done and prepare for it. You know, some level of preparation was needed. So um, I go I went ahead and contacted uh, a center. I contacted a couple centers, and none of them had space available that were in Thailand. And so then I found a center that was in the Philippines. And they had a space available. Well, actually, they didn't have a space, but they put me on a waiting list, and they told me I was the first person on the waiting list. And I was like, that's all right. I just had this intuitive feeling that I was going to get into it. And so I went ahead and bought my plane ticket and prepared to go and was kind of under the assumption, like, you know, if it doesn't happen, that's all right. At least I'll be in the Philippines. That's what's bad about that. But I really had this feeling of, like, I think this is going to work out. And then, like, a couple days before the retreat started, or at least I say a couple of days. It, it probably was like more like a week and a half. <laughs> um, they were like, "Hey, you know, you you got the go ahead. You got the green light. So go ahead and let's get this thing going." And um, I I at that time was um, meditating here and there in the mornings, but wasn't really like didn't really have much of a practice. Um, it's it's sometimes difficult traveling and just you know how that goes. Every, yeah, everything's upside down. You're in the, there's like very little regularity. If you're moving from hostel to hostel, city to city, and you're up yeah. late partying and you know bouncing around, it's hard to do anything regularly. That's true, and then even regular life, it's hard to sometimes to do it. But right. um, and and then traveling, it the thing is like really nice for me is like I don't have as much of a schedule, so the free time does get created, and I can slow down there. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely like no, there's a lot less, in, there's a lot less consistency, so sometimes it makes that difficult. But nevertheless, and knowing that I was going to Vipassana, I. Uh, started to get in somewhat of a practice to kind of somewhat prepare myself and I stopped drinking coffee and smoking, I had stopped smoking cigarettes and um, yeah, I was just trying to get more grounded and uh, so then I went to Vipassana and um, 
in the Philippines, and essentially the the protocol there is like um, an aspect of, of getting into this meditation and getting into in, into a deeper understanding of one's concept of themselves. Uh, it's a practice to take away all outside stimulus, and that includes you know, technology, you know, cell phones, and um, communication with one another. And in this um, practice, it's uh, women, men and women are separated, separated, and uh, individuals aren't allowed to contact or um, speak with one another in any form or fashion, like whether that's linguistically or writing or um, or like social cues it's just very like one is within oneself so that they can do the work right it's do the work do the You're work isolating it's, yourself mm-hmm. yeah so that there's like not because the mind has this tendency to want to want to wander <laughs> to want to like pull into other things and um and I, and I know very well that like uh, sometimes people are that you know what I mean uh, whether it's just like a conversation or it's just hanging out with someone or whether it's a relationship or whatever. And, and so there, that's a part of the practice is to, um, have, have, uh, no stimulus, you know, and, and that, and, and to be silent. And, uh, and so it's, it, it's really the first couple of days are, well, so I'll, I'll give a breakdown of like what a daily routine would look like. Uh, you know, you wake up at four in the morning and then um, to an alarm, or is it like a bell? There's a bell. A little guy walks around. You're on a long. You know, you're sleeping in a, a like bunk place, dormitory type dormitory type setup. And uh, someone walks through the bell and wakes you up at four. And then you meditate in your room for two hours until six. And then um, there's an hour. I think there's an hour of rest. <laughs> that might make sense. And then uh, yeah, then you do like breakfast from like seven to eight. And then meditate until twelve, and then there's lunch, and then you meditate until five. Excuse me. After lunch, you have an hour break where you can sit in your room, but you're suggested to meditate. And then after that, um, you meditate until five, and then there's an hour dinner, or excuse me, no dinner, tea, no no food in the evenings. It's better for your body to not be working so hard yeah to feel the sensations more fully or something totally and then then there's uh meditation until eight o'clock from so we're talking like six to eight is meditation and then um and there's a lecture from eight to nine and uh i could be missing like a rest in there somewhere but regardless there's pretty rigorous there's eight hours of meditation that's a lot of meditation yeah and it's funny because like i'm a it seems that I, I'm an individual where I don't I like to push the edge a little bit and when I get pushed I like to push back and so I don't like to be told what to do and, and I think and so it was a good thing for me to, to just kind of like surrender and like get into this place where I was like alright I'm gonna like you know oh this dude's waking me up at four like fuck you dude I'm going <laughs> back to bed you know but it's sweet because like I, there were times where I was like that. I'm like, I'm going to fuck this. I'm going back to bed. And the dude would come in and place his hand on, on my knee and be like, you know, hey, and just look at me and be like, you can rest, but it's your work to do. And they walk away and I'm like, yeah. it's uh, like, you know, you know that, uh, that saying of your parents being like, I'm not mad. 
yeah. just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> it's this thing of like, damn it, it's on me. And I'm my own worst enemy. Like, <laughs> I am the one stopping myself from doing yeah, it. I, I chose to come here. Yeah, that's the thing. Come yeah, on. and that, that is like a, a wonderful aspect of what it teaches. That it gives these like realizations of like, wow, <laughs> I, I I get to create my my reality. I I choose how all of this unfolds in some regard. Mm-hmm. In some regard, um, and so yeah, there were a lot of really cool experiences. And um, one that like kind of came to my mind as I was like expressing the daily routine was there was this guy there who um, sat next to me in the dinner hall and would smack all his food down. He'd fill up huge plates of food and smack all his food down and pull his fork with his teeth off of every bite so you'd hear, like, the metal grinding on his teeth and this dude sat right, right next to me. Like, more than once? Oh, my God, every meal. <laughs> it was, like, a thing. And, like, I was in this space where I was, like, normally it's, like, something where I'm, like, this is annoying, I'll, like, move over. But right. I can't because you have, like, assigned seating. Oh, man. And I, like, the second day, this, like, it might have even been the first day. And I just realized that, like, all right, fine. This guy is going to be my teacher. And and then the entire nine days I was there, this dude, every more like, every for – the, for the first couple – he did it every day. But for the first couple of days, it's – I'm, like, just, like, sitting there eating breakfast <laughs> thinking to myself, like, if I could just rock him in the face. Like, yeah. just punt no, – and then, and then just thinking, like, I want to ask him, like, did your mom never teach you manners? Like right. – and, it, and the first couple of days drove me nuts, and these are the thoughts and feelings I'm having. And then as the like, you know the whole thing unfolds, goes goes on a little longer, I start to realize like, and like I laugh, and I'm like, dude, like, I I cool, like I I can see this anger arise within me. Like this is like this person who like has no clue that what they're doing is affecting me in this way, and it's it's me who's taking it. And ma- and allowing it to create this anger and dis ease within myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I who am taking something that someone is unbeknownst to them at all. And it's not he had no ill intent. And it's something that I was creating this like disharmony, this discomfort within myself, and I was allowing something so simple. Hmm. I mean never we all know that's like slightly annoying, sure. And so some people it might might seem very minuscule. But it was one of those things that was like a big lesson for me. And I knew it was, but I was this thing I had to learn where I'm like, oh, great. But to, to say that, like, this is just a human being a human, and it was my re- reaction mm-hmm. that was causing the discomfort and whatever. And it was funny because at the end of the whole Vipassana, when, like, we start talking to everyone again, I'm like, hey, do you need, like... Like, he drove me nuts, dude. <laughs> and he ended up being such a sweet guy and, like, offered for me to come stay on his couch after we kept, you know, as I kept traveling on. And it was a real per- great person. And I knew that would probably be how it unfolded. Right. But it was just one of those things where, mm. like, I, I think, I think, and sometimes I, I can speak for myself to say that, like, I, I get so caught up in, in who I think I am or what I think is right or how I think th- things should be done. That it's infuriar- infuriating that it might be another way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. You think that? Yeah, we we like to have things fit into our box of like what it's supposed to look like or how things are supposed to unfold. And when they don't, it's like, wait, this doesn't match up. How wait. dare you eat like this beside yeah. me? How dare you make any noise? How dare you burp or belch next yeah. to me? Yeah. And so that was one like really cool aspect of. 
or a lesson or a story that I got from Vipassana. And, and it was like really challenging because there's discomforts for sitting for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people experience that, I could say, just from like visually seeing that. Um, and then there's the psychological discomfort because it's kind of like unre- un- unpeeling an onion in a way. It's a good analogy, you know? It's like the first couple of days are like getting settled and like letting but one's body get used to being in a certain posture and and like kind of like okay i'm not i'm not talking and you know i'm not have all these stimulus and um and then it starts to get to the point where i started to see the mechanisms of the mind or the story or the patterns that my mind wants to reel out you know because the the an aspect of this meditation is to slow down and focus on one's breath and then use one's breath to get into the sensation within their body and then the our, our awareness is to be placed in doing that you know is to have like our awareness say like I feel the awareness to say there is this here there is that there like like a discomfort or a tightness I feel a tightness in my hip totally and like place your awareness on that and then allow it to pass or I feel uh, yeah I feel a tightness in my hip or I feel a pain in my right shoulder and, and you scan the body up and down the awareness does and um, and then as sensations arise you know there's there's like aware there's awareness of it and then it's moving back continuing on throughout the body up and down up the body and down the body hour minute after minute hour after hour day after day and um, it's incredible because in some instances I can't speak to everybody's experience but in some instances and in my experience it, it becomes it becomes euphoric and and there gets to be this like vibration through one's body that that is um it's 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 pretty powerful is that something that would last it it would stretch out or i mean i guess within euphoria it probably kind of lose sense of time so it's just that you're experiencing it yeah but it's it's momentary It, it would be momentary because like the 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 mind is a very powerful thing and um, so I say all this to say that like the intention there is to scan one's body and to focus on one's breath but I would get into I would have this practice and then the mind would reel out a narrative of like do you remember that person that did that thing to you fuck them when you get back, if you just happen to see them at a bar, you're going to grab them by the shirt collar and pull them off the bar stool. And you're going to wail on them. You know, and then I'm sitting there like, oh, wait, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to do that. And then, okay, okay, right, right, right. Back to the breath. Okay, so I'm inhalation, exhalation. Do you remember that girl? Inhalation. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Do inhalation, exhalation. Yeah, you remember. Oh, okay. And then, and then the story would start to reel out, right? Oh, yeah, she was such a sweetheart. Those were the golden days, man, if you just had her back in your life. Mm. You should have never let her go. And, oh, wait, 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 Idiot. what am I doing? What am Idiot. I doing? Back, back to my breath. And then there would be instances where I would, I would see, the awareness would see that the story's unfolding. And I would be like, I don't want to, I don't want to meditate right now. I want to fantasy. And so I would like fantasize and like, you know, whether it is like um, a lust with woman or, or like anger towards like a, a something that happened in the past or thinking about the future and creating like some awesome art project that I'm going to do at a festival for an installation. It'll be so great. And, 
And then I would literally go into fantasy or stories in my in the mind. The mind mm-hmm. would create these, and the pers- and my perception of myself would be in them, and I would be like literally a, you know sitting in a movie theater in my mind, right? And then realize like, oh shit, but thirty minutes has gone by, and I was doing this instead of focusing on my breath. And then I would come back to the breath, and then I would come back to my breath. And then I would be on it for like two minutes or three minutes. And then the mind would start up again, um, you know, with thinking about anything and everything. And it's, it's so powerful to, to see that, like, my awareness wants to be, uh, I want to place my awareness in the focus of my breath. Yet the mind interjects and wants to pull me away from it constantly without fail continuously and it and that was the hardest part is that it's like this struggle it's like this push and pull it's like this battle between um wanting to wanting to have that focus and and then the um the character of of the mind of the rational mind because i think I don't know this to be fact, but I think that I have a perception of myself. And my perception of myself is, is a very, seems to be a very concrete thing. You know, it seems to be this thing that is like, you're a male, you're a white male, you're of the age of, you know, 24, you had this upbringing, your name is Keenan, you act this way, this is your friend group, and this is a culture that you subscribe to. And it, and then that perception of myself gives me a point of relativity in space in this dimension to interact with other people that makes me feel comfortable but the but but the i that is greater than that is greater than that like like all of those things are nothing but a but a, but a concept yeah. you know what a construct because it's, it's a, like it's, identity yeah yeah and and so that thing is doesn't want to let go and that thing exists in the concept of the mind and so because that exists in that plane if if the mind isn't let if the mind's left to its own devices then it reinforces this idea of Mm. of who i think i am it continually does it throughout my whole life if if the awareness is placed into something that is not as identifiable but is a little bit more energetic and a little bit more physical which is the sensation in one's body then the identity of who I think I am starts to not be so serious hmm. and that's a frightening thing I think for who I think I am yeah the edges start to get a little wavy and you're like wait maybe I'm not so so concrete maybe I'm a bit more fluid like exactly I can, I can change in a moment and that's unsettling and that, yeah because yeah you want to be grounded in like oh this is who I am this is how I act this is how I'm going to respond to these things Mm-hmm. And you're like, hold on, do you, is, is that true? Is that true? Or, or am I more fluid than that? Am I, am I more yeah. capable of transforming in, in, in any moment? Yeah, totally. And that actually leads into something that came up uh, that I remember from one of the conversations once you got back from the Philippines was that you, you've had these, uh, you've had dreadlocks for as yeah. long as I've known you, which is not that bad not long, but it's, you've had them for, for how, four years. You had them for four years. They're down to like past your past shoulders. Past shoulders, yeah. And you got back, and you you now have like a, a much shorter haircut with 
almost buzzed on the sides and yeah look like a good upstanding gentleman again <laughs> yeah and I, I remember asking you like oh you know what led to you cutting your hair and it ha- I remember you saying it had to do with your experience in Vipassana and, yeah. and examining that idea of identity and how people view you and their perception of you totally no I, I'm glad you brought that up I um that was that was um it's a cool platform to talk about this because it's something that I don't most people are like oh you used to have dreads and I'm like yeah it was time to cut them and that's like where I leave it because it's like a little bit more of a longer explanation to why I had hair and didn't have it but here we are what's unreal (laughs) Um, so yeah essentially I'd had my I'd had dreadlocks for four years I I started I let my hair lock because I was living on a farm with some guys who um, who had lived in with with um Dogs. Our dogs, our dogs are laying face to ass in <laughs> the floor. Um, I was living with some people in Sandy Mush who had had dreadlocks, and it inspired me and what their concepts around around why their hair was locked and what it meant to them. And and then I started to kind of view my own ideas around it and what what having my dreadlocks meant to me were was just like a little bit of renunction towards towards vanity and a renunction towards like having to be put together and having to be cleanly clean cut not like i I wouldn't want to be a dirt bag but i just wanted to kind of push the edge of what it meant to be like you know clean cut and in society kind of thing at least at that time in my life four years ago and so So you're 20 then when you started yeah uh, yeah yeah and uh and i'd had long hair already and and i had long curly hair and so it essentially what happened was i just stopped washing my hair with regular shampoo and started using baking soda and apple cider vinegar and then when my hairs would get a knot in them i would twist them within themselves and roll them in my hands and that's all it was and it took a while for my hair to like kind of look like it was locked and actually in you know these tubular dreads before that it was just matted and all crazy and it was like what some would call the neglect method and and um it was something that but it was just something that kind of happened very organically for me. And right after I started my dreadlocks or decided that was something I was going to do, I drove across the country and, and did the trim scene, I guess, in Southern Oregon. And then did that the following year and the following year. Um, and and then, uh, yeah. And so it was something that was very organic and it was like a renunction towards vanity and towards like society's concept of having to fit in in, in that regard. And that's all it really was and and um and that's and I, I, I didn't have any interest in being a Rastafari and I didn't have any interest in in like um emulating black culture I just just kind of just felt like oh I'll just do this and uh, and that's that's what it was and um and it just so happened that you know I, I was a pot smoking hippie and I still am <laughs> but um but you know um that was the culture that I fit into and, and having that aesthetic fit into the culture, um, especially living in California and Southern Oregon and, and trimming weed. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And like going to festivals all across the country. You probably were not the only person. I was not <laughs> by any means. And that was all right. And I had a van and it kind of fit in, you know what I mean? It made sense. And it was cool because it was one more of these things of like, okay, this is how I'm going to be perceived in this world at this time in my life is to yeah. look like this. And so if I'm going to look like this, like, let me go all the way. And so like, I'll have the dreads and the van and my dog and we'll, we'll like, you know, be home bums and we'll, we'll like trim pot and we'll do the thing. And we did the thing and it was great. And, um, and so, and so all that being said, I was in Vipassana 
and I had not really thought about on and off I would think like cut your hair and then I'd be like nah and I'd be like cut your hair and I'd be like, nah and uh, when I was in Peru two years before that and I, my hair was locked I had I had like I thought out loud like okay am I going to cut my hair or not and then it was just like this thing of being like now's not the time like not me but like the medicine like mama ayahuasca being like no nah, it's not not yet and that wasn't a big aspect of that experience but it was just something that was like okay affirming the idea like yeah just rock this do this so I did it and um so then I'm in Vipassana and um I, I, I got really deep one day like just really really deep and I and into a meditation and and I'll step back for a second to say that like there are times where like yes um, my mind would get distracted with fantasy and wanting to like play out a movie scene or like think about something that happened positively in the past or negatively in the past and to latch onto it or think about something positive in the future and hold on to it. But there were also times where I would get very still in my body and and very still in the mind, and then thoughts like I'm about to express would come up where I would think who who am I you know who who is Keenan and what is this perception of me and what is my reflection of who I think I am and um and that was something that came something that came up was who who are you and who how what is your reflection and in, in your um aesthetic and in your your like and then what is and then it kind of dialed and focused in a little tighter and said what is what is you know your dreadlocks and what is like people's perception of you and I was like well I don't I don't really know you know like like we meant like I mentioned a second ago maybe baseline it's like well here's a hippie you know I get this I, this guy might sell pot you know what I mean like you, you know that's one perception but this guy's then, gonna ask me for a cigarette yeah but then it was this <laughs> thing this guy might ask me for money oh, I bet he smells I yeah bet, but I bet he's selling crystals <laughs> Heady trades. Um, <laughs> and so it was this thing where it was like, well, well, that's fine and dandy. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if I could change? What if I could do one thing that could change people's immediate perception of me? And what if I just did it? You know what I mean? Because it was this thing of like, and it was really, fu- like, it was really fucking fun. Because it was this thing of like, well, it, it was like me playing a game with myself where I'm like, are you so... It was like taunting me. I was taunting me or something where I'm like, are you so hard-pressed in your identity of like looking like a hippie and acting like a hippie and letting people perceive you as a hippie, whatever that means to anybody listening or to me, um, that you won't that you won't just cut your hair and just like let that go? And I was like... Nah, I'll do it. Fuck you. And then you know what I mean. It's like, but it's me talking to me. And so, um, and then and then, but then, so here's comes back to like the reinforcement of like identity, and then it, and then my reinforcement of my identity, and that I've created with my aesthetic, is to say like, no, dude, how can you cut your hair? Like you have so much identity placed in that. Like, and and it means a lot to you. How can you just do that? And then the other aspect of the thing is like, nah, just do it. Like, lo- let go of whatever that is. Yeah, how does that, does it matter at all? Does it matter? No. But it is interesting to, like, just all, all this conversation aside that, like, or re- re- pertaining to it, is that, like, I think as humans, I know I can speak for myself, but maybe humans as well, like all humans at large, we tend to place a lot of importance in how we look 
and, and it makes sense because it's how we can assimilate it's how we can work within groups but I think all that is very fluid and for me it's a really fun thing to be able to like toy around and play with that and that's why I cut my hair because it was this thing where I was like man you know this is an identity I've created within myself but I can still be this fun loving carefree hippie for lack of a better term and not look like that like it's a heart thing more than it is an aesthetic out external thing yeah and then it comes into a fun play of like well what's within me is what's per- what's purposeful and has meaning and has like love and this thing that and the other but what's outside of me can be anything and everything you know like I can look like a a, a total piece of shit dirt bag just like at first glance but I could be like totally humbled and loving inside right. or I could look on the outside like a you know like a, a really great like compassionate person and be a shithead yeah serial killer serial killer totally <laughs> Ted Bundy <laughs> yeah. so um it, it's just it's an interesting thing and I think you know as as, as humans that's how it is and it's not like a bad thing it's just that it allows us to find our waypoints through life and, and allow us to navigate you know what I mean and it, it's an interesting thing, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's one of these things where it's not to be taken so seriously. Yeah. I don't think that I am to be taken so seriously. My concept of myself, or who I think I am, or how I look, or how I dress. And I say all this in theory and in like philosophy, and then nevertheless I catch myself in the morning like, I gotta fix my hair and look real nice, and that shirt doesn't look so good. I wanna look nice today. For, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So this is it's an ebb and flow thing nonetheless, but... This, this is some like something I've really awesome. enjoyed about the the group of friends that we find ourselves in is that uh, at least as far as I've seen, everyone is incredibly uh, accept not only accepting but like uh, they celebrate how people show up. Like our group of friends, it doesn't matter how you how you dress up. If you come out and you're like trying something a new look, they're like hell yeah, like good. yeah, dude. That, that, that you know I didn't see that coming, but cool. That's, I like you're, it. you're rocking it. I like this part about that. Yeah, dude, you know? fuck yeah. And it's really, it's fun. It's it's nice to not have people like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, um, you're wearing that today? Yeah. Really, Tammy? <laughs> the blouse? And I've, um, and I've been that guy. I've, you know, jokingly, I've, I've been that, like, you know, kind of under undercut people. And I and I feel, I, I'm, I'm sorry to have been that person. Because mm. I've had people be like that to me, and it sucks. It's like when people question you. Maybe then, that's why you were like that, because you, you felt that once before. Possibly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like some learned behavior. But, um. To be able to shed that, that kind of like critical view of others, and instead just like accept and celebrate, and you know cheer people on for however it is that they're showing up is it feels really good. It's freeing for it is, dude. Me, but I'd imagine the people that I celebrate too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think it allows people to be to 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 ha- to be more pliable, to be like more in a play place, to realize that life isn't so serious and I'm like me saying life isn't so serious is me speaking from like I can say like like, without fail that my life is I've had my own personal struggles and I've had my adversity I've had my difficulties but my life has been pretty easy going you know what I mean and so I'll preface with that and that's the where I'm coming from and I understand that people some people's life is off the get-go and from the rip is like not not so easy you know what I mean and so, and and so, from that vantage point, life might it, it might be harder to say that life is not so serious. 
when it's like right off the rip, you know, it, it, I can imagine a person perhaps um, born into famine, where like they all they know is survival and and, and struggle. It's it's hard to say. Like, oh, life's all fun and falling out. You know, it's like well. Um, just play. Just Everything play. Everybody gets to play. It's cool. It's like, well, you know, if so, that's where I'm speaking from. But I, I guess it's to say that, like, if if we can find ourselves in a space and a container in our life where that's where we're so fortunate enough to have that ability to, to be, be able to play, to be in a position to be listening to a podcast, you know, yeah. have the free time and the technology to sit and listen to you and I talk about, yeah, then these like, concepts. then then like. Then ha- hang out and slow down and, and like don't take don't take it so seriously, any of it. Um, if 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 that's if the container and the space is there and it's available, I, I would urge anyone to kind of like explore it because it it's been my experience that it's really freeing and it's really joyous and there's a lot of that in there and it's li- really like a, a um, it's a discovery to say that for me I, like I'm I'm not. Who, who I think I am and, and all that isn't like such a hard pressed thing and it's nothing to be taken so seriously and so like concrete you know um, I, I'll share like a experience I had a couple of days ago that pertains to this where and it's about residence actually I one day at residence I put on this lovely like silk nightgown dress <laughs> I was walking I think I, remember, I think I remember that it was a fun day I was running around <laughs> all sorts of wild you look great. I was very on one, and uh, I was walking down the road, and the, with I don't know who's one of my buddies next to me, and this chick walks behind me, and she she walks past me, and she goes, "Oh my God, I love your dress!" And she got right past me and went, "Hey, thanks!" And she was like, "Oh, I thought because I had long dreadlocks." She's like, "I thought you were a chick," and I'm like, "That's really funny." And she's like, "That's awesome, you're wearing that dress," and I'm like, "Thanks." And so I'm telling this, and it's like, whatever, yeah, I had fun, and I'm telling this story to my buddy and his girlfriend, like. Uh, two days ago or whatever the story I just explained and they were both like I could never do that I'm like what do you mean like you, sure you could do that like that's stupid of you to say you couldn't do that you could right now put on a dress yeah, there's not there's not, not like an inability to put on clothes yeah you're not gonna like your, your body freezes up you're like I can't I, can, yeah. I can't put the dress on yeah and and my buddy was like I could never wear a dress and and she's like yeah I don't know like how could you how it was like what do you mean like how and and I guess it's just a thing where it's like for me man like what is and, and I, like let me say too that like there was a time in my life where I was like I'll never wear a dress because a man doesn't wear a dress even as a joke and um <laughs> and now I'm like well like you know gender is such a figmentative thing I'm not saying biology is but you know the concept of gender is that like and people's perception of that is that like what's you know, now I'm in a place where like, well, it's, all of life is such a fluid thing that like, it and getting in that play place is to say like, well, I, I'm dressed as a lady today, or like I'm dressed as a firefighter, or I'm mm-hmm. dressed as a clown, or I'm dressed as a cop, mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot of what our life is. It's just that some of the outfits or the characters that people play are very serious and very hard pressed and very like yeah. permanent, you know, very concrete for them. Yeah, I've I've had the thought a lot over the last number of years that we we're. Uh know quote unquote we are adults but we've we've forgotten that we're playing this big elaborate game of make believe <laughs> and people take it really seriously but like when you remember that it is in some ways just a game of make believe and you're and you're playing the roles yeah. very seriously and you're like kind of snap out of it and 
there's different ways to snap out of it, whether it be to go to some experience like Burning Man or a, a music festival or take or psychedelics or, or yeah. you know, some, something happens to you that just shakes you to your core mm-hmm. and you realize like, oh, I'm just, I'm just playing this weird role and other people are going along with it. Yeah. It's like then when you find yourself in a, a group of people that are like fluid in those roles and they're, and they're like being playful and yeah. explorative, like... You, you recognize how, how fun it can be. Yeah, totally. It, it, yeah, totally. It, it breaks my heart, man. Like, it almost brings me to tears to think that there's, like, a lot of people in the world where they, they won't get to they won't get to be a kid again. They won't get to play. And, and that's what's fucking hard. Because it's like, it, that's the, like you just mentioned, like, we're kids and life's a game. And then we, at some point, we're taught that we had to be adults now. You gotta grow up, Keenan. You gotta grow up. Just grow up. Yeah. And Take that, that dress off. Yeah. <laughs> and that you can't play anymore. And that you can't, you can't like, dream. And you can't... And and maybe it's, like, dark and systematic. Um, but maybe, like, that, that kind of, like, that, that um, way of thinking has been ingrained in, in humanity. But, yeah, it's heartbreaking to think that people w- might not get the chance or might not allow themselves to play and like I know that like I mentioned earlier I think there's a lot of people where it's just not act it's not it's not ever presented to them or they they were birthed into this world with a level of adversity or a level of disadvantage or a level of like you know where something like this is further out of their grasp than than like your middle America suburban kind of kid who was able to just go to Bonnaroo and you know for the first you know where like that was their stepping stone for all this and so like it's my hope that like after having these like powerful life changing fundamental experiences that allowed me to understand what we're talking about that things are are not so serious and that we can play and be children it's like goddamn, like I sure would love to be able to bring that to to I want to bring that feel, you know, to I like the people do. of the world. Well, yeah, and I that's think like you part do. of just in your day to day, the way that you interact with people. I mean, yeah, I tried. Yeah. When you come into when you come into the store and you, you're in line and you're like, "Hey, how's it going?" and you like wave at me all silly and you know like that, it sends ripples to those who observe that, whether or not you are aware of it. And Rob yeah, yeah. Rob does that, and Jack does that, and you know like the. The way that we act, it does have an effect on people because it, it gives them permission to also be a little silly. Ah, damn, yeah, damn, yeah, damn right, dude. That's what sometimes people just need is permission. Yeah. And it's probably it's like some you know fundamental upbringing thing where it's like like you mentioned earlier, you need to grow up. Yeah. And it's probably like I can imagine that if a child was told that or a young adult was told that by an influential older figure, that it could create a hard-pressed, permanent impression to say, like, holy shit, now's the time. I got to do it. I have to be yeah. an adult. And then all that little soul is waiting for is to someone say, you have permission to play again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that shit, like, that's, yeah, that's what's up. Sometimes people just need to be able to to, to be like, it's all right. Yeah. You can, you can be you. You can do your thing. I see this when I talk to people about um, when, they, when they've seen some of my artwork. Mm-hmm. Or something that I've made, and they're like, "Oh man, I, I don't. I wish I could draw like that." I'm like, "You can, <laughs> yeah, you can." It's, like the reason that my my lines are a little bit cleaner and stuff is because I've been doing this for a little while. But like, nothing is stopping you from putting the dress on or sitting down and like you know drawing, playing with paint or like just just play. Allow it to be. You are stopping you. Yeah, take take the uh, the thought that you're gonna make a mistake or it's not gonna be good out of your head. Stop judging it or try to at least uh, like 
delay the judgment. Just like, just play. Well, yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier about the guy pulling his fork off of his teeth and it pissing me off. Like, yeah. I was allowing that to piss me off. I was, I was like, allowing his unbeknownst to him actions create such like friction and rage within me where I was at the point where I'm like, I'm gonna smash my fucking plate over this guy's head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was uh, the. My concrete, impressed like perception of how things are supposed to be was allowing me to have such a reaction. In the same way, someone is stopping themselves from picking up a pencil and starting to try to draw. It's that like we the we create our own real we create our own perception of reality. Now, I I want to say this like sometimes our the outside world and and the things around us are happening right like like if a, if a child is birthed into an abusive home they didn't choose they didn't create that now there's a whole another conversation of like soul and soul's intention but that's not what i'm talking about i'm saying that like if all of a sudden you and i found ourselves in syria and, and shit was getting bombed around us and our, we're pulling our family members out of rubble like, I'm not trying to negate the fact and say, like, oh, you create your reality. Like, okay, but there's this really, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, and if someone out there can discover it right on, there's this guy who was a teacher, um, maybe a, psycho, a psychology teacher, in the Second World War, and he was Jewish, and he got put into an internment camp, and he was beaten and abused and starved and... Um, and he went through all of that and at some point realized that while his outside circumstances around him he had no control over, what he did have control over was his awareness. He, his awareness couldn't be, so like these, these Nazis would, you know, abuse and beat him and, and would try to break him as a human. And he realized that all of these things would be broken down, but his awareness couldn't be altered. He could lose everything, his identity, his, his, his flesh, everything he could, he could lose, but his awareness couldn't be altered. And so from that basis, once he had that realization, he then realized that he could create his own reality in the sense of how he was perceiving his world. So this man would be beaten and tormented and then have the perception to say, like, these people are lost and people are hurt or that like everyone around me is dying and I smell the rotting flesh but life is is beautiful nonetheless and so that's that's the thing and then he went on he you know he he survived um all this internment and then later went on to teach what he what I expressed and what he can so much better express um, to his students and and uh, and I don't remember the guy's name I think the book's called a, a man's search for meaning yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah. I can't I can't remember the name of the author off the top of my head but I, I do remember reading the book and it was yeah it's powerful stuff man yeah to think that they can't take that away from you no like, and that's the thing and I think a lot of times life is happening it's hard for us to get into that like mentality but like we we create the world around us and it comes back to what you mentioned earlier about being silly and playful like we create the world around us and, and when it we create it in our in the mind and then it then it has ripple effects outward and that's how we can change the world is by changing ourselves mm -hmm. is by saying like well I want to be silly and playful and so I'm going to be silly and playful 
and then that just ha starts to be a natural like baseline and then it starts to and then that when an individual operates from there then it just is a happening on uh, and the world around them starts to see like whoa that's someone who's silly and playful and then you attract people that are on on that wavelength and maybe people that aren't so much on that wavelength will move away from you and they're like embarrassed by it and, yeah likewise yeah, and, totally. and then you get to find yourself surrounded by people that are in the same headspace yeah and and who knows where that path will take you yeah, birds of a feather often yeah. pluck together. Clever birds of a clever often <laughs> pluck together. Um, yeah, and it, totally. It's like um, we, we, yeah, like people of of the similar kind of wavelength just happen to flock to each other. And that's been yeah. my experience. It's like I, I mean, this is how I know you, right? Is that like right. we're kind of on the same path? We have a similar like philosophy or viewpoint on life. We're searching for similar things and then we just happen to have similar friends and then we happen to be at a festival where all that kind of stuff is like happening and now we like happen to be sitting down talking about it for all the listeners out there for everybody out there for everybody out there <laughs> so uh yeah on that note we got about less than f about four minutes left do so you have anything that you want to leave people with one like a takeaway or a, a challenge or a invitation I, yeah well i mean Remind <laughs> reminder I think like maybe this whole podcast I, I could say that I hope um, maybe this has been a reminder because I think people know within their heart of hearts that like you have you cre you this is this world is yours to, to create and to play in and that you have the power and you have permission to to play and to create the world around you and to be who you want to be like true like you truly have um you can you can be who you want to be and no one or nothing can stop you from doing that except for for you you know what i mean and like and that shit's pretty fucking awesome yeah 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 so let's leave it at that hell yeah thank you for coming on my friend yeah man you're i'm, I'm happier in my life yeah <laughs> me too man me too it's a good life to live you know what I mean? By and large, I think so. Yeah. Let's get out there and be silly, eh? Yeah, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Yeah. Love you guys.